Welcome to H2 Tech Talk, the web's most sustainable podcast and your premier destination for expert insights into the global hydrogen sector. Dive into our informative series as we explore the latest advancements, news, and trends in the realm of sustainable energy. H2 Tech is a leading source of up-to-date, compelling discussions around hydrogen technology. Don't forget to subscribe and share to stay connected with the world of hydrogen innovation and sustainable solutions. Now, here's this week's episode. All right. Hello, everyone, and welcome back. We are live at the Global Syngas Conference here in San Diego, California. I am joined by Bo Harbickson. Uh, Senior Business Development Director, Power to X for Topso. How are you doing today, bro? I'm good. Thank you for having me. It's good to be here. Of course, of course. How, how, how's the conference been for you so far? Oh, the conference has been very interesting. I mean, there's uh, I've been to a lot of uh, green conferences here over the last uh, year and a year and a half. Uh, this is uh, a little bit of a different crowd here because it's uh, more with the traditional fossil-based uh, people and, and blue people also um, so uh, the green green part is uh, the discussion is there also on the green but there's been a lot of uh, blue blue discussion so far but that's interesting to hear also yes I bet I bet did you well actually before we get to your presentation mm-hmm. um, how about you start by giving us a brief of Topso's role in the um, energy transition Yes, I'll be happy to do so. Um, Topso has been around and uh, as a technology licensor and a catalyst supplier for for 80 years, since 1940, right? Uh, so we are one of the main suppliers of hydrogen technologies, ammonia technologies, methanol technologies. And then we have used the last several years to transition with our technologies into the to the blue and the green areas right um, so we have all the the right basis to do that with all that knowledge we have from our fossil based technologies to uh, get in and be a leader in the in the green and the energy transition period so we have a a goal also to be the the global leader for energy transition technologies here very very recently or very very shortly okay so energy transition technologies but you also have various downstream technologies just in general do you care to go through some of them yes i mean in power to x where i am now we are of course having a, a lot of focus on uh, soec which i'm sure we'll talk more about that but downstream we have all the the green technologies for making ammonia methanol sustainable aviation fuel uh, renewable natural gas and, and so forth so that's again a, a lot of the the knowledge we have from fossil based technologies where we have transformed that into the to the green among others with with our dynamic uh, technologies which means that you can operate ammonia methanol on a, on a very very large range of capacities anywhere from 10 to 100 percent capacity you can ramp up and ramp down very very quickly with at least three percent per minute so so we have adapted uh, our traditional technologies to that green and have some very very good solution for, for that now so and uh, what kind of um so you said producing ammonia. Uh, what, is, what is the process or the technology you all um, have for ammonia production? I mean, the ammonia production, 
we have we are basically using the same technology that we have done for uh, more than 1,200 ammonia charges of catalyst we have in service. We have designed several hundred uh, plants for ammonia production. So so the the technology is is basically the same. We are using the same type of loop, the same type of converter, the same type of catalyst. But that dynamic aspect of it is in the in the control uh, mechanism for the for the loop, where you can you can operate and maintain the ammonia converter more or less stable in pressure or and temperature, even though the the feed going into the loop is fluctuating up and down depending on how the wind is blowing and how the sun is is shining. So this just gives you a little bit more control than you previously had to where you know I guess. Like you said, the sun is shining, the wind is extremely um, um, heavy one day, you can, what, how would that go? The, the, the good thing is, I mean, if, if you didn't have this uh, dynamic capability, you would have to put in a, a very large hydrogen storage. So to take out all the, the peaks and the fluctuations in the hydrogen production. With that new technology there, you can you can operate the ammonia loop without hydrogen storage. Hydrogen storage is basically very expensive, mm-hmm. so you would like to, to avoid that. So, so the good thing with that loop technology is that, that more or less regardless of how the uh, renewable electricity profile is, you can go straight to the ammonia loop, you can make your end product immediately, you do not have to have storage. So we are actually putting up a, a demonstration plant in, in Denmark here within a, a year where, where we are demonstrating that you can operate such an ammonia facility with solar, wind, no grid connection, uh, no hydrogen storage, going straight from the electrolyzer straight to the loop and making ammonia. So that will be up and running in Denmark in, uh, within about a year. Gotcha. Okay, so let's switch. I mean, you mentioned hydrogen, and of course, uh, we said we'd come back around to your presentation, which is focus on um, solid oxide electrolysis. Uh, do you care to expand on that a little bit? Yes, Topsa have spent many, many years on, on developing electrolysis. Uh, we started out looking at, at fuel cells that didn't really materialize, but we took that uh, knowledge and spent the next 10 years uh, developing until where we are today with the solid oxide electrolysis cells, SOEC, which is high temperature electrolysis. Um, so I also normally say it's it's a next generation electrolysis because if you look at alkaline and PAM operating at, at low temperatures, SOEC is operating at high temperatures, but you will have up to about 30% higher efficiency for SOEC compared to alkaline or PEM. So, so we have spent now, in reality, 35 years approximately to get to the point where we are today, where we are ready to commercialize the SOEC. So we are putting up, as, as we are speaking, a, a production facility, the world's largest production facility for SOEC cells. It's coming up in Denmark. Uh, it will be producing and delivering the first uh, SOE cells, SOEC cells in N24, early 25. So uh, we will make commercial deliveries of uh, SOEC-based uh, hydrogen plants in 25. Gotcha. Uh, but you said the technology is ready, ready to commercialize it. Um, 
why are is solid oxide electrolysis not more widely used? I mean, I believe PEM and alkaline, the technology, um, technological uh, readiness level is much higher. What do you think is stopping SOEC cells from, from making that jump? I mean, I, I would like to also just maybe comment on, on, on that, the technology readiness level, because it's correct that especially alkaline has been around for, for many, many years, uh, but it has been in very, very small scales. So so now also these other technologies have to go to a completely different level, both uh, scale-wise, it's a different uh, product. So yes, they've been known, but but it's a completely new, new ball game. SOEC is is a completely different way of making electrolysis. It's it's solid, um, so so it's a technology that's uh, again we have spent a lot of time on it. So so, but it's also very unusual that you have a technology where you you suddenly can get a a thirty percent higher efficiency from one technology compared to the to the previous generation of of, of catalysts or, or technologies i mean so it is a big task to develop soec that's also why there are not that many companies uh, able to do it but but with our background uh, we are there now where, as i said we are ready to to commercialize it so what makes it 30 them 30 percent more efficient is it just purely attributed to the heat it's it's basically because you are operating at the at a lot higher temperature, um, and at that higher temperature, I'll let let me switch back because if you're operating at alkaline PEM low temperature, what I'm normally explaining is that you have to put in a lot more power to get the reaction going. That extra power you need to put in to get the reaction going for alkaline PEM comes out as cooling water. When you operate at at the much higher temperatures, you do not have to put in nearly as much extra power to get the reaction going. It's simply a more efficient uh, place to be for the for the reaction when you operate at a high temperature. So there's still a little bit of cooling water coming out, thereby excess heat, but you utilize the energy you're putting into the process a lot more efficient with the SOEC compared to alkaline PEM. All right, and you've, uh, well, I shouldn't put words in your mouth, but perfected it, right? <laughs> I, I, I think we have. Um, of, of course, it is a technology that's still, uh, it's happening, right? At, at the moment, we are still working on it. Uh, we are still building the facility, uh, but we have tested it very, very thoroughly. Uh, we have demonstration units in, in operation. We also have a smaller production or, or, or one small commercial unit in, in operation. But, but we have been lacking this, having the production capacity. So um, that's now what we are getting with that plant we are, we are putting up in, in, in Denmark. So, so that's why we can now start to, to, to deliver larger uh, commercial units. So where do you see, I guess, you know, with Topsell and, you know, maybe just in the overall industry, where do you see um, these electrolyzers being in like five years? I mean, there, there will be a huge demand for, for electrolyzers. And, and I think there's a room for, for all type of electrolyzers at the moment, right? Because the, the production capacity of alkaline PAM, SOEC, is still, uh, is still small compared to if you really want to make this energy transition in, in, in the world, you will have a need for, for very, very large uh, amounts of, of electrolyzers. So in five years, 
we we will probably also have uh, at least one more production facility. I mean, we're already looking at where to put up the, the second facility. We're looking very seriously at putting that second facility up in, in the U.S. But we also think uh, with time, we will need to build significantly more of the production facilities for, for SOEC. Do you think it's going to be like a deal where it just kind of depends what you need or how much you need? Alkaline might be better for a smaller scale, but, you know, larger, maybe a PEM or, or um, side oxide. I, I mean, there, there, there's several several things uh, in, in, in this. And as I said, I, I think there'll be room for, for everybody. Um, it also depends on what your uh, electricity price. Mm. If you have a, a, a very, very low electricity price, Having a more efficient process is maybe of a, a little bit less lesser value, right? Uh, high electricity price, of course, favors a more efficient uh, process. So, I think there will be there will be room for for everybody and a market for for everybody. All right, excellent. Well, thank you both for you know taking some time to answer some of my questions. Um, do you have any? takeaways closing thoughts anything you'd like to tell our audience i just think uh, one, one thing i have learned at this conference where i said it, it was uh, there's been a lot of focus on, on blue today it's a little bit more green but i also think uh, there's a lot of discussion on is is the is the price of green products too too high will, will the, the market be there and i and i just think people have to to realize i mean there's no way around it, right? Um, you will have to go go green in in this world to to really make a change on the in the climate uh, situation. So, so I think uh, your listeners should also be aware that even though there's now a lot of focus on okay, what's the cost? What's the cost of the product and so forth? It might be higher with with the green solution, but it will come. I mean, it have to it have to come. So. Um, and we are looking forward to help people uh, reaching their goals. Helping in any way you can. Actually, before you go, I, I would like to ask you about uh, SAF. Uh, um, what's your technology, Ethnologet kind of a kind of deal? For SAF, we have uh, two ways we are, we are looking. We have a technology that's ready today, where uh, we are working with with Sassel's Fischer Trops technology. So uh, it's Topso syngas preparation technologies we are we are using. We have a, a very very efficient uh, e-react, which makes the process very very much more efficient compared to what else is on on the market. Then we go to the Sassel's Fischer Trop technology, and then we have our downstream uh, hydroprocessing technologies. So so that's ready. Today, we are also looking, as, as we also heard about today, uh, looking into methanol to jet for, for making uh, yeah, SAF jet fuel. But, but the Fisher Trops route is ready today, and we are talking with numerous customers already. All right. Well, that's all I had for you today, Bo. Yeah, like I said, thank you again for joining me. Thank you for, for having me. It's been good. Yes, it's been fun. <laughs> and Thank you to the listeners for tuning in to another episode. Please remember to share and subscribe. Thanks for listening to this week's show. Don't forget to subscribe and share to stay connected with the world of hydrogen innovation and sustainable solutions. Email your comments, questions, and suggestions to tyler.campbell at gulfenergyinfo.com. 